minimalists. <laughs> All right, we're live. It says we are live. Hey, everybody, I'm Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus. And together we are the minimalists. And we're doing a special live session here for uh, Ask the Minimalist Live. This is exclusively for our Patreon supporters. And some of you submitted questions and upvoted those questions. So we have a handful of those questions who got that got the most likes. That's how you voted on those. Let's get into them. Uh, yeah, for sure. Debbie says, how do I pull back on a friendship, friendship with someone I have been messaging with daily for over two years? I don't enjoy the interaction, usually quite lengthy and done via Facebook Messenger, which I don't like as much anymore. So she says, I don't enjoy the interaction anymore. So she once enjoyed it, it sounds like, but she doesn't enjoy that as much anymore, right? Yeah. But this person has a serious illness, and I feel guilty for reducing my contact with her. Man, that's a that's a tough situation. It's definitely a hard situation to be in. What, what would you, you do, Josh? Well, all right. I, I mean, no. I mean, please, let me go first. Well, if, if, <laughs> I mean, if you were ill, I'd immediately stop. Stop messaging. <laughs> no, as man. soon as you got ill and you lost your utility, <laughs> <laughs> that is that is so not true. That is the opposite of what you would do. No, dude. You know, um, this is this is difficult because you do want to be there for someone when they're ill, and uh, you can still do that, Debbie. What you could do is, instead of you know just stopping re- responding to the messages because you don't want to do that. You don't want to just go dark on them. Right. Um, you also don't want to make up a lie. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, can't get to you. Whatever. You want to be honest with them and you want to tell them yes. So the way you do that is, is, uh, you basically explain to them, uh, what you are saying yes to, Hey, um, just want to give you a heads up. I know I've been answering your messages every single day for the last couple of years. I'm not going to be able to do that as much anymore because I have started to do whatever it is that you're going to do with that time, Debbie. And if this person uh, is your friend, they're going to understand and they're going to support you. Um, so, so you know, you don't you don't have to you don't have to make it too difficult, uh, but you do have to have a, a bit of an honest conversation. Um, but again, if, if if they're your friend, they're going to support you. Well, I think you also said something that was interesting, Ryan. This microphone's yeah, no, back. my back, my lower back is hurting. I'm going to hold it too. Yeah. So, so the 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 thing that you said is you want to be there for them and. Here's here's the interesting thing. Facebook Messenger is not a way to be there for them. Mm. It's it's the opposite. It's a way to not be there for them, right? And uh, it may serve a purpose in the moment. It may serve this sort of conversational thing, but it's not a way to add a whole lot of value to someone else's life. And so if you're spending, I don't know, an hour a week, two hours a week messaging with this person, you can improve the relationship by using a different means of communication. And the way to do that is, is if you ultimately have to have the conversation that Ryan said, because it may come to that where you're like, you know what, I, I have to, I've stopped using Facebook Messenger. Because you've already said, I don't like Facebook Messenger. Guess what? Neither do I. And guess what? I don't use Facebook Messenger because of that. I have thousands of messages in my inbox from Facebook Messenger. I don't really know how to check them appropriately. I don't, wouldn't even know what to do at this point. And so maybe you just could tell that person, hey, I'm no longer on Facebook Messenger. And that would mean that you've set this full-on policy for yourself. And they know it's not just them, but you're no longer using that means to communicate. 
But instead of doing that, I'm reallocating my time to do these other things. And what I'd love to do is spend 20 minutes a week just catching up with you. So how about we meet Friday mornings at 9 a.m. We have a really good conversation right before I go to work or whatever that may be. But something with a deadline on it as well. Something you know you have an out that at 9.20 I have to be out of here because I have to be somewhere else. And that also gives you the out you need. Because if you want to be there for the person, the best way to be there is to be there. Yeah, no, that's a great idea. So, um basically uh, Debbie could say, Hey, I want to make our interactions more meaningful. So I'm going to try and stay off of messenger more, uh, more, but try to have more face-to-face interactions because I think that's going to be more meaningful. No, that's, that's a great idea, man. And Webb says, I've heard Ryan talk about his junk drawer. Actually, you've heard him talk about his drunk drawer. Most of the time. <laughs> for, for whatever reason, that, that spoonerism, I oh, like it, 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 like, I don't know. I would say, I would say three times out of five, you say drunk drawer. Probably, yes. Uh, and it's just because <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's called a spoon rig. You, you, know, you, you, you combine the two words accidentally, right? Um, uh, let's look up some funny spoonerisms real quick, right? Yes. I just want to find some good ones here. There's another one. There's another one that always gets me to, um, oh, man. Uh, let's see. Drunk drawer. Oh, man, I can't. I was really hoping to think of something while you're looking this up. Uh, three cheers. What? I don't know. I don't know. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so this person meant three cheers for our dear old queen, and they said our queer old dean. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, is it customary to kiss the bride? Is it customary to cuss the bride? Yeah. Um, the Lord is a loving shepherd. <laughs> the Lord is a shoving leopard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Ryan, your drunk drawer. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, talking about the junk drawer several times. I've also heard him say that he gets rid of anything not used in 90 days. Just curious what possibly stays in the junk drawer. Um, Lots of alcohol, apparently. Yes, that's right. Many, many bottles of alcohol. No, um, the junk drawer, like right now, it has packing tape in there. So, I use that. Um, at least once every 90 days, whether it's taping up a donation box or I just had to ship um, a, a package yesterday that I had to tape up. Um, what other things are in there? Stamps are in there. Uh, letter. Um, Why do you have envelopes. stamps? You can just go to stamps.com. <laughs> envelopes are in there. <laughs> and use this promo code. Oh, thumbtacks, batteries. I don't know. All the, all the random junk that that we use it's called a junk drawer but it's really a just for wind drawer yeah that's interesting because these are things that you know you're going to use but then also if you and you've talked about this ad nauseum but if it's within 90 days and you go to that junk drawer and it's overflowing you're like i gotta get rid of some stuff i'm not going to use this next night at 90 days i haven't used in the last 90 yeah it's it's for me it's sort of the catch-all in fact um you know bex and i just moved recently and we have a junk drawer and i used to have two junk drawers actually uh, but they were like pristinely organized, right? And I would have one that was sort of the catch-all, like you, like you have, right? But then I had one that was electronics, like little plugs and cables and, and other things that I knew I wanted quick access to in the kitchen. And in the new kitchen, where we just don't have that much space, so we have one junk drawer, and it is it's pretty full of stuff. It's full of the same stuff you talk about: batteries and packing tape and uh, quarters for the laundry. We don't have a, a washer dryer in, in our apartment. So uh, it's right down the hall, but like you have to have quarters for it. And uh, this is one thing that amazes me about getting an apartment in Los Angeles. Yeah. Like it is, it's so expensive to live here, 
but none of them have washer and dryers inside of them hardly. I know. I've actually, I looked at quite a few and that was one of the things It was like uh, almost a must for us, but it was like, it was so close to us that it, it totally made sense. But so I keep quarters in there. Anyway, yeah, sorry, quarters. By the way, a, a sidebar here, Ella. So, so in the basement of the apartment complex we're in, there's like a quarter machine. Like you put in a dollar bill, you get four quarters out, it takes ones, fives, tens, and twenties. Take Ella down there to go gambling with me. <laughs> And so like, I'll put a dollar and I get four quarters and I hand her 20 because she's only four. So she doesn't understand the difference between a one and a, and a oh 20, right? Goodness. So she puts a 20 in. I've never, literally, this was two days ago. I've never seen her more excited in my life. Oh, I'm like, I can just picture her jumping up and down. She, she was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't. And she doesn't even know what to do with 80 quarters. <laughs> she has no idea. What to do, what you could possibly do with 80 quarters, but she oh was jumping up and she was running up and down the hallway at night. Uh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. <laughs> so we keep the quarters in there. I keep a couple of pins in there a red pin, a blue pin, a black pin, and a sharpie. I keep a little uh, post it notepad in there. Oh, yeah, I could put some notes in mine too. Um, what else? Oh, I, I, I toss my wallet and keys in there as well. So I, I did that too. for that. So now we're just like, <laughs> man, we finish each other's sandwiches all the time. Give me that sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> A nice sandwich. <laughs> Hand it over. <laughs> Bill Plant says, uh, one month ago, I got a new job. Congrats. And, yeah, congrats, man. I find my boss interrupting. Me often, <laughs> like I am right now with Josh. Sorry to hear about that. <laughs> and he gives me new tasks slash projects before I can finish what I'm working on. Can you give me a glass of water real quick? Here you go. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, everything he makes makes out is urgent, but surely not everything can be an emergency. Who are you calling surely? <laughs> I fear I made a poor choice taking this new job. What's your advice? Um, I think you have two options here. Uh, at least I would have two options were I in your situation. Actually, I think there's three. There's a middle ground as well. But the two uh, sort of polar options. One is you're new at this and you need – if you took this new job, take this as an opportunity to learn. And so if he hands you something, say, good, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to learn from this experience. Mm. And uh, And then – if uh, I think the middle road is going to be, hey, great, thanks for this opportunity. Uh, where should I prioritize this with the other things that you've given me? And over time, I mean, I realized this with uh, Sean, who, who works with us, and uh, he, he's on our team. He's our podcast producer and he does a bunch of operations for the minimalists. He's our tour manager as well. Um, I will prioritize things I, because I wasn't doing a good job. I said, hey, Sean, can you do these 10 things? And he would do eight of them. And I'm like, hey, these two are late. And it's because I didn't prioritize those two. And over time, if you can also train your boss, you can manage up. What you can you can do is you can say, "Hey, um, here are the priorities," and make it make him think it's his idea. You don't have to. You don't want to take any of the credit. But right now, if you want to be a good employee, you say, "Good, thank you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you giving me this opportunity to learn and grow from this experience." Here's the other option: you can leave your job if you don't like it and it sucks and everything's an emergency. You're always putting out a fire and you feel like it's not going to turn around, then uh, don't just run out the door, but you can find something else that is more in alignment with what you want to do, Bill. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, there's, I think you can kind of combine approaches here. I think uh, just to um, kind of add to what you said about setting that expectation, managing up. So if you're getting too much work, um, 
then, so here's an example. Uh, you already have, you know, a stack of things to do. Your boss comes over and says, here's one more thing. I need you to do this. Then, then what you should say is, is great. I'm happy to do that. Like just what Josh said. Um, right now I still have X, Y, and Z to finish up. Should be getting that done here pretty soon. How would you like me to prioritize this task? Do you want me to bump everything else down? So, so just basically making sure that you and your boss are uh, having the right expectations when it comes to both of you. The other thing too, is if you are adding value uh, to this company, if you're doing a good job, um, I, you know, maybe right now isn't the time since you just got this, this role, like wait till you've been in there for at least, you know, maybe four or six months, but then you can go to your boss and then you can give kind of an, an evaluation on how your job is going. Hey, uh, you know, I've been here for six months. I really appreciate the work. Um, it seems like, uh, you know, you and I get along well, here's what's working really, really well. Uh, and here is what I would like to approach differently moving forward. Here's where I can use your help. And here, yeah, exactly. So, so, uh, this is just my long winded way of saying it. If you are going out of your way to add value to that, to that company, you have a leverage to go to your boss and ask them for some help and to help set better expectations. So, uh, so, so, so two, two, two pieces of advice here that you can kind of intermingle. One is, is make sure that you are getting clear expectations between you and your boss when he is loading your plate full. And then the other thing too is uh, setting expectations moving forward with him uh, as to how he is, he uh, is giving you work. Joan Silva asks, how do you prevent bounce back? In other words, you've minimized the level you prefer and enjoys it, it, it prefer and enjoy. And then suddenly you're filling up, filling it up again. Now here's what I'll say is we want you to fill up your life. It sounds to me like what you're saying is how do I prevent from filling up my life with the wrong things? And quite often the wrong things are mm -hmm. physical things, right? And so how do I, uh, and, and I think the way to prevent that is to fill your life up with the right things as opposed to just avoiding the, the other things. When your life is full of, of meaning and purpose and joy and, and experiences and relationships and health, you don't feel compelled to start filling it up with the, the, these fringe items, these, these pacifiers. And so if you can fill up your life with the right things, and only you can determine what those right things are, Joan. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the other way to look at it too, Joan, is, you know, if you were someone who was into physical fitness and you were like, I am going to get myself into shape and I'm going to start eating healthy and uh, you work really, really hard and, and it takes you a year, it takes you two years to get there and you've got the body you want, you've got the diet you want. Well, what do you do at that point? Do you just like throw your hands in the air and go back to your old diet and, and do you stop working out? Of course not. Uh, minimalism for me is the same exact way. It, it is, I, I do great and some weeks, um, yeah, I feel like I fall behind a little bit too and that's okay. Uh, I, I make sure to, to get right back on the horse. So uh, don't look at it as, as this um, diet type lifestyle because dieting is temporary. Um, look at it as part of your lifestyle and incorporating it as part of your lifestyle. That's what's going to help you from, from falling back. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's see. We've got time for a couple more here. Natasha says, how do you achieve reducing busyness when you have been an overachiever workaholic all of your life? Mm. Can I read something to you? 
I think, I think, um, I mean, I've written about this. They can't answer back, but uh, uh, we're going to assume they said yes. Yeah, well, it's the rhetorical question, right? <laughs> um, do I have your consent? Not busy, focused was, was the title of this. Take a look around. Everyone is multitasking. We're doing more than we've ever done, attempting to fill every interstitial zone with more work. Every downtown scene is the same. Heads tilted downward, faces lost in glowing screens. Technology turning people into zombies. We live in a busy world, one in which our value is often measured in productivity, efficiency, work rate, output, yield, GTD, the rat race. We are inundated with meetings and spreadsheets and status updates and rush hour traffic and tweets and conference calls and travel time and text messages and reports and voicemails and multitasking and... <laughs> All the trappings of a busy life. Go, go, go. Busy, busy, busy. Americans are working more hours than ever, but we are actually earning less. Busy has become the new norm. If you're not busy, especially in today's workplace, you're often thought of as lazy, unproductive, inefficient, a waste of space. For me, though, busy is a curse word. I grimace whenever someone accuses me of being busy. My facial features contort and I writhe in mock pain. I respond to this accusation the same way each time. I'm not busy, I'm focused. Henry David Thoreau said it best. It is not enough to be busy. The question is, what are we busy about? If I were to append this quandary, I'd say it's not enough to be busy. The question is, what are we focused on? There is a vast difference between being busy and being focused. The former involves the typical tropes of productivity, keeping anything, <clears throat> I mean, anything to keep our hands moving, to keep going, to keep the conveyor belt in motion. That's the typical tropes of productivity. It's no, co it's no coincidence that we refer to mundane tasks as busy work, busy work. Busy work works well for factories, robots, and fascism but not so great for anyone who's attempting to do something worthwhile with their waking hours. Being focused, on the other hand, involves attention, awareness, and intentionality. People sometimes mistake my focus time for busyness because complete focus apes many of the same surface characteristics as busy. Namely, the majority of my time is occupied. The difference then is I don't commit to a lot of things, but the tasks and people I commit to receive my full attention. Being focused doesn't allow me to get as much accomplished as being busy. Thus, the total number of tasks I complete has gone down over the years, although the significance of each undertaking has gone up, way up. This year, I'll do only a few things, uh, but those efforts will receive all of me. This might not look good, on a pie chart next to everyone else who's tallying their productivity metrics. But it certainly doesn't feel, but it certainly feels better than being busy just for the sake of being busy. Sure, sometimes I slip, as I wrote about recently in that apology essay. Sometimes I fall back into the busy trap that has engulfed our culture. When I do, I make an effort to notice my slip up and then I course correct until I once again am focused on only the worthwhile aspects of life. It's a constant battle but it's one worth fighting. So, yeah, it sounds like, uh, what was the name of the person that asked this question? Yumi, I believe. Yumi. So, um, no, no, I'm sorry, it was Natasha. Natasha. So it sounds like Natasha has slipped up. 
Yeah. So how does Natasha regain control? Yeah, I think I think focus to, to sum that up. Focus is the antidote to busy. Absolutely. So so how how, how do you get how, how do we how do we help Natasha go from busy to focused? I think it has to do with the actions we take. We were talking about this earlier today. Um, one of my favorite Twitterers, his name's uh, TK Coleman. He he said. Um, he said, uh, dreams don't come true. Decisions do. Mm. And, um, that really means a decision is the first step toward taking action, right? Sure. It's in fact, it is the first action. It's sort of the internal action. You've decided to do something. It's that first step. And, and the way that you make a decision is you have to prioritize the musts in your life. Right. So what is a must? What is a should and what is junk? Here's another way to look at that. Sometimes you and I call it the need, want, like list. Right. But let's call it a essential list, non-essential list. What are the things that you do each day? What are the 24? How do you spend your 24 hours? Because right now it's busy. And there might be 100 things that you're going to do today. Most of those things fall into the two categories, junk or non-essential. Mm. And there are a few things that are essential, the things that must be done. And you have to make those the must. Those are your priorities. And then you have the non-essentials that you can focus on as soon as the, the priorities are taken care of. And you have the junk. You want to get rid of the junk. That's what minimalism is about is cutting that junk out of your life. Mm-hmm. And that's how you're going to focus. You, you figure out what is truly essential. Those are your focuses. Foci is the, the appropriate. <laughs> Remarkable focuses. Yeah, foci. Yeah, foci. Um, <laughs> and so you, you need to figure out what that is, Natasha, and, and be ruthless <clears throat> with putting things into those other piles, the Amen. non-essentials and the junk. Because truth be told, the way we spend most of our days, we are pacified by junk. We are inundated by junk. All of our time is taken up by junk tasks that make us busy. And we're letting other people dictate our days instead of us determining how we're going to spend that time. Yeah, dude, thinking about our process of, of going through exactly what Natasha is going through. Mm-hmm. So we found ourselves too busy. This year. So what did we do? The first thing we did is we said, oh, okay, we're too busy. We recognize it. And then we took action. We, we reached out to our audience to say, hey, we apologize, but we are too busy. And we set that expectation with our audience. Then after that, we went through everything on our plate and we started clearing our plate. Yeah. So all those, even uh, the things that were good. Yes. So we had these boulders that we picked up and we were carrying and we realized we had picked up too many boulders. So then, and this is what is probably going to be really hard for you, Natasha, is you got to figure out what boulders you, you have to set down. So Josh and I, we went through and we set down uh, some interviews, projects that we had committed to, we backed out. And everyone that we had to, uh, every boulder we had to set down, we had to go to you know someone and say, hey, sorry, we're going to set this boulder down. We didn't get any negative backlash because people understood. And, and ultimately, uh, that's what the people are going to do in your life. If, if, they, if they love you, they want you to be happy. Uh, they're, they're going to, to probably support you. If they don't, then Natasha, congratulations. Uh, you have learned uh, who you can get rid of your life uh, right away because those people you don't want in your life anyway. Yeah. So, so, um, so, so just going back to what we've done, we, we set the expectation with our audience. We, uh, we, we had to look at our plate. We had to look at the boulders we picked up. We had to set some boulders down and then moving forward, 
uh, we we are not picking up any more boulders. Yeah, you pick up fewer boulders going forward. And I cannot even begin to tell you the things we have said no to just over the last, uh, since the, the, the week since we wrote that essay. Um, there have been some really, really humongous opportunities we've had to push to later next year. Yeah, or, or maybe, and I think that's the other thing. Maybe that, indefinitely. Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe it's not even pushing it. In fact, for me, a lot of it, the vast majority, even the things that were really good opportunities, it was saying no to those so I could say yes to what was most important. Absolutely. And, 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 and in this scenario, saying no to these non-essentials, they're great opportunities. And given a different circumstance, we'd say yes to them. Mm-hmm. But right now, they're not essential for us. Yeah, I mean, it would they be don't like, serve anything that is essential. It would be like if I said, Josh, um, congratulations, you just want a trip to Hawaii and you leave tomorrow and you're gone for a week. Like, it's a great opportunity. Right, but it's not the right opportunity. It's not the, it's not the right time for the opportunity. Right. Yeah. And I, so I, to sum that up, a, a good opportunity isn't necessarily the right opportunity. Uh, and and th- those are the things we have to say no to. And we have to get good at saying no. I got to wrap this up because I got to run to the airport and we're over on time. Anyway, so thank you all for your questions. Keep asking them. Thank you for being supportive. We really appreciate it. Thank if you. Be, if you all are here with one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. See you next time. I'm going to stop this broadcast. Do it. The Minimalists. <laughs>